The table is open. Welcome to Below the Upper Room. Hi, Kenzie. Hi, Adriana. And welcome to Below Below the the Upper Room. Room. We really nailed it this week. I know I said that last week, but this week... But this time we mean it. (laughs) That, that That was a prank last week, actually. So... So, well, um, me and Kenzie, if you can't hear, we sound a little, little defeated, maybe a little tired, but not that tired because we got Taylor Swift tickets. That's right. People are like, I don't want to brag. I'll brag. I'll brag. No, there are so many people that are like, I just feel so bad that I got tickets. I have survivor's guilt. survivor's guilt. I'm like, babes, there are some countries that have like war in them. And there, there are people not to be not to pull a. I'm not laughing because that's funny. I'm laughing because it's true. Like Kim, there are di- There are people that are dying. Like I know that. Believe me, it was the most one of the most stressful things that I've put myself <laughs> through in recent memories. Literally, I was in the queue for five hours. I was texting Adriana. Because we were both in the queue. Like we were both waiting at like what nine a.m. Like waiting. Yeah. At, okay, backtrack for those that don't know. Again, Taylor Swift is part of our religion. That's why we talk about her. <laughs> well, last episode we talked. We in the intro we talked about how the tour had been announced. So now we're following up. Yes, that we are going to the tour. This is a follow up. This is a callback. If anyone was wondering, which reminds me, listen to our last episode. Yes, please do. So for those that don't know. Taylor Swift is going on tour. It was a mad rush for tickets. People were getting kicked out of the virtual line. People were getting their codes weren't working. They were clicking purchase tickets. And then there would be a glitch. That happened to me a lot. Me and Kenzie were both trying to get tickets. And it completely kicked me out of the line. And somehow... Kenzie got it magically. Let, and me, let me tell you what happened. That's how so I know God I is in, real. That's I was, how I know God is real. <laughs> so I was in, this kind of relates to religion. On Tuesdays, I have seminary all day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Like, uh, I'm I'm on campus. I'm at school learning about the Bible, you know, talking about Christianity or whatever. And it was... While I was in class, I had my laptop open trying to get tickets, and I was so stressed out, and um, I we had group discussion in my second class, and I literally told them, guys, I'm sorry, I can't contribute to group discussion because I'm in distress. <laughs> and um, so basically, I got in the queue and at 9, and then it finally let me in around 1.30, And then I kept on clicking um, and a glitch would pop up saying I couldn't get tickets. And I I was trying to select the tickets, like, you know, go in and select the certain tickets I wanted. So finally, I was just like, okay, I'm... Ticketmaster has, like, a list of, like, suggested tickets that you can get. So I'm like, okay, finally, I'm just going to click, like, the list. Instead of trying to go in and select the specific seats that I want, I'm going to click the list like the items in the list that Ticketmaster has. And I still kept on getting a glitch till finally I got to check out and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to check out. Like the, these tickets are in my cart. And then an error message pops up and says that I took too much time. So now they're kicking me out and putting me back in the queue. <laughs> I almost started crying 
even and I'm like, this is so stupid. Like I, I yeah. like, why am I so upset by this? I think it was just an emotional yeah. experience. Like high, high emotion. Emotions were running like high. adrenaline. Yeah. Um, and then finally I got through the queue and back into Ticketmaster. And when I first, the first time I got out of the queue, there were all this, these blue dots of all these seats that you could get. When I got back in, it was, like, all gray, and I was like, oh, dang, I guess I didn't get the tickets. So I finally kept on clicking and clicking and clicking, and then something clicked, and, like, we got tickets. Yes, Kenzie was updating me throughout this. Um, It was, I was at work, (laughs) and she was updating me about all of this, and I, I was, like, noticeably upset like my co-workers were asking if I was okay and I was like yeah it's it's fine it's just Taylor Swift tickets but we're, we're going the, we're in the nose Me and Ken's, we are but that's okay I'm okay but we'll have a great time yes. we're gonna party we're gonna get to know the people around us yes and, and if we hadn't gone tickets it yeah. wouldn't have been that we would have been world. fine we would have been fine I've never seen Taylor live so I don't know anything different this which is why I was really excited because this would be my first time seeing her live, but if I hadn't have gotten them, or really Kenzie hadn't have gotten them, I, it, it, I would have been fine. Yeah. Like, I don't know any different, but I know for some people, it's very upsetting. I understand that. It's okay to be sad, but let's just... But you know what's really upsetting? Religious persecution. Yes! Thank you! Good, good segue! You know what I hate more than not the idea of not getting Taylor Swift tickets? Religious persecution. I hate that. Which brings us to the topic of our episode today. Oh, you want to jump right into our topic? I think we should. You know, we really, we tried to find some things going on in Christian media, Christian pop culture. Things to be, seems to be settled down. I know Thanksgiving's coming up. I know that for a lot of people that can bring up some interesting feelings about going home. Maybe you are part of a family that's a different religion than you, or they have maybe different beliefs than you. And so sometimes going home can either be a really affirming experience or it can be a more stressful experience. So during this Thanksgiving season, just know our prayers are with you. If you're having a great Thanksgiving and you're really looking forward to it, or if you're not as looking forward to it, um, just know our prayers are with you. And we also have a recommendation. Yes. Speaking of going home, my friend from back home, Portia, who I'm so excited because I'm going to see her when I go back to Tulsa. Shout Um, out, Portia. Shout out, Portia. (laughs) We love you. Um, But she texted me um, after she listened to our last episode and she said, which, by the way, you guys can message us on Instagram or email us with any recommendations that you guys have. But she texted me saying that she had a recommendation for our listeners. Last week, we talked about some different documentaries, but she mentioned this podcast, which actually both Portia and one of my sisters really enjoyed. I started an episode the other day. It's very interesting. It's because I don't know the story at all. And so I don't know. I'm like, was it like a crime that happened? Was it something that was just kind of more, you know, an emotionally abusive, maybe toxic kind of situation, which is still bad. But I'm kind of interested to see where the story goes. It's very it's pretty good so far. I really like it. Yes, it's the podcast is called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and it's a series that was done by Christianity Today. And it's pretty much about this church in Seattle that uh, grew to prominence and that grew really big, but then, of course, kind of 
it fell, all fell from apart. grace. Yeah. Um, do you have any other things um, to say about well, it? Well, the first episode, they... I won't spoil it for you guys, but the first episode, they talk about how they kind of start at the moment that this pastor resigns, this really prominent pastor. They start at that moment, and now I believe, from what I understand, you are, you're going to kind of work backwards, kind of figure out where did this happen. Ooh, I um, kind of like that. Yeah, it's, it's very memento. Yes, it's very interesting. Um, and it seemed, like I said, it's I can't really tell, like, Yet, what was the terrible thing that happened? It kind of seems like there were a lot of factors in place. So, so far, I really like it. I'm only on episode one, but I have given it a listen. So, thank you for the recommendation, Portia. Yes, yes. It's kind of like a mystery, I yeah, guess. Yeah, something for fun. sure. If you're driving home for Thanksgiving, maybe listen to it. After, of course, you listen to our podcast. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> our podcast first, please. <laughs> Thank you again, Portia, for the recommendation. Uh, Adriana, do you want to jump right into our topic? Yes, I do. This is a pretty heavy topic as well. When I say heavy, it's just dense. There's going to be a lot of information, but it's very interesting. And a lot of names. A lot of names. <laughs> um, Kenzie knows more of the info here. I'm just, you know, every podcast needs a hot dummy, and I am that. I am that no. person. <laughs> I'm the hot dummy You're for this episode. <laughs> Um, so this is going to be about Christians before they were Christians. And what we mean by that is obviously what we think of today as Christian, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, a certain image comes to your mind, but we want to talk about what were things like before, you know, before people even thought to call themselves Christians, very early days of Christianity. And I think it's definitely a topic worth exploring because we got to know where our roots are. Well, I think it's people should know that, you know, Christianity is a pretty dominating force in our culture as Americans, but that didn't happen overnight. And I think it's really important that we look at Christian history because it's really interesting and it's also shows us the progression of kind of what we understand as Christianity today. So this is our first episode on Christian history, and I decided, you know, since it's our first one, let's go back to the beginning of Christianity. This episode is going to talk about the first 300 years of Christianity, basically, which is a long amount of time and a lot of stuff happens, but... I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. So if you're... If you're a history nerd like I am, this is going to be a really interesting topic. But if you're not a history nerd um, like I am, this will also be a really interesting topic because there's a lot of juicy stuff that happens. A lot of the drama first, goes A lot down. of drama. If you like reality TV, it's just, the, the same. It's just <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, so uh, let's go back to the very beginning. You sh- We should do like a transition, like... Okay. It's like, Wait, let me, get, let me get my sound effects ready. All right, this is my uh, time travel sound effect. That was like the time machine. Wow, that was Did really, you like that? That was really good. Thank I feel, you. We've been transported back to the first century Roman cool. Empire. Cool. Um, ah, that was the sheep. The roads are <laughs> dirt. Yes, there are horses, there are Roman centurions around, we're all wearing sandals, and um, 
like loose Chow. fitting I don't know, gar- garment <laughs> chows like Italian. Yes, <laughs> I mean technically. <laughs> um, but so picture this: we're back in first the first century Roman Empire. So this is after the death and resurrection of Christ and people are trying to figure out what to do because obviously, you know, Jesus is not physically there with them. So they're trying to figure out how next steps, next steps. I'm like, there, there's this cool guy, Jesus, that we want to follow. Like, what are we supposed to do now? So at the very, very beginning of Christianity in like right after the death of Jesus, Christians are seen as a heretical sect of Judaism. Jesus was kind of seen as a controversial figure for his time, and he was put to death. So he was put to death because he was, I don't know, because he was he viewed as like a threat, basically, to... Yeah, it was, I mean, the the, the death of crucifixion was reserved for political prisoners. Okay. So like Jesus being crucified on the cross by the Roman empire, um, was a way for the Roman empire to show their power. I guess it it, it wasn't reserved for the common criminal. Most of the time, if any of you have seen the movie Spartacus, Spartacus and a bunch of his, um, cohorts were put to death via crucifixion that is who was being put to death by crucifixion the rebels the people that were a threat politically to the roman empire not your common thief or something like that i'm glad we established that yeah so after jesus died there was a lot of tension between those who followed jesus and those um uh who did not follow Jesus. Yes, who were part of more traditional... Who were part of the um, Jewish uh, religion and culture of the Roman Empire. So basically, there's kind of infighting between Jews and Christians because at this point, Christians weren't even Christians. They were a heretical sect of Judaism. Okay, like an offshoot branch. Yes, so which means they were kind of saying things that were going against teachings, you know, talking about this guy, Jesus, he's the son of God. Obviously that was not compatible with the mainstream Jewish teachings of ancient Rome. Okay. And Christians actually were seen by some Jewish people as cozying up to the Roman empire, which the Roman empire had been oppressing the Jewish people for you know, a very long time. And basically these tensions would escalate into riots and fightings. And Rome kind of viewed this as an internal conflict between the Jewish people because it kind of was at the time because Christianity hadn't split off from Judaism. And these, you know, riots and infighting got so bad that um, in the year 51, Emperor Claudius expelled Jews from Rome Wow. He listed the reason as being um, Christus, a.k.a. Christus, a.k.a. Christ, because basically Jewish people and Christians were fighting about, you know, Christ so much that it was becoming wow. a hindrance. So, yeah. So that's he kicked why them out and he literally listed because they can't agree about Christ. Yeah. And, and wow. you know, so it that led to even more tensions. Like, low-key, the Christians 
sometimes were cozying up to Rome. They were saying heretical teachings. And I just wanted to add, I feel like while Jesus had good intentions, and I do believe his like followers initially also had good intentions, I feel like as time went on, I feel like it could be easy to get kind of sucked into like the political game of it all. Oh, it's more advantage for us to cozy up to the Romans. Like, I don't know. I could very easily see, especially how things play out in modern day, like I could very easily see how kind of forget what are we doing all this for mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, think about our own political gain. It's kind of interesting to think about. It kind of reminds me of how obviously the Roman Empire was um, like an empire. Yeah. In our modern day, how in capitalism kind of trains us to be pitted against one another. Yeah. Where if we band together, we would actually be stronger than the system. (laughs) I'm sorry, sorry to get political, but like controversial, you know, that's kind of what Rome was doing is they were, they saw that there were two sects of Judaism that were fighting against each other. And they were like, Oh my gosh, we can kind of use this to our advantage. And separate them Mm -hmm. so they're strong they're weaker separate than they are together that's kind of what was happening in my opinion i mean that would make sense you know because if you think about it i feel like if maybe and of course there were fundamental differences between what they believed in of course but it's also like oh if they'd been able to look around and see what was happening and that rome was using the infighting to rome's advantage rather than you know, any of their advantages, you know, you kind of wish like, or wonder what might've happened if they would have realized that or something. Yeah. And this infighting, um, of Christians basically kind of trying to pull away from their Jewish roots. That is going to have a lot of consequences in just a couple of years. So Christians start to pull away from Judaism. They start inviting Gentiles into their practice. Of course, religion in the ancient world is very different than religion now. And religion in the ancient world was, you don't really like convert. You're kind of born into a religion that is associated with your culture culture and custom. There wasn't really a lot of conversion to Judaism, but the Christians are allowing kind of Gentiles to be invited into their practice. I mean, if you look in the book of Acts, that's like one of the main conflicts that's happening is, are we another branch of Judaism? Are we our own thing? Are the people that follow these practices, are they former Jews? Do we invite people that are not a part of our culture and custom into this religion? So that's kind of causing even more distinction between the Christians and the Jewish people. So Gentiles are people who are not Jewish? Yes. Okay, so they were in basically, because they probably still thought of themselves as Jewish, I guess, or some kind of form of Judaism. The Christians? Yes, the early yeah, Christians. In the, ver- in okay. the very early days. So but that- they're trying to decide, yeah. basically. Okay, so they were inviting people who were not Jewish to maybe join their beliefs. Yeah, their belief I mean, if okay. you look in the book of Acts, yeah. they're like... Basically, uh, Jesus's message is kind of transcendent among, you know, different cultures and customs. There were Gentiles that 
really found appeal in Jesus's message. And some of them are wanting to join and get in on kind of what the what would become Christians were doing. There's a big conflict in should the Gentiles that convert over to Christianity, should they be circumcised? Should they have to eat kosher? Are we still Jewish or are we something Mm. different, basically? While all this is going on, there's this guy that's elected to be emperor. His name... You know him. Yeah. the name. His name is Nero, and he was elected in the year 54. What do you know about Nero, Adriana? I know the... He, he played the violin while Rome burned, that kind of saying. Yes. I know he was crazy dude. Yeah. My dad told me he was one of the Antichrists, which was a little dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as we know, my father was raised Baptist, so he, he's a little, a little more fire and brimstone about that kind of thing. But that I just knew he was a bad dude, and he killed Christians. Yeah, so when Nero first gets elected to power, he's actually really popular and really well-liked. But Mm. as his reign goes on, people are like, we do not like this Nero guy. (laughs) Like, he is crazy. (laughs) Ten years into his reign, in the year 64, it's actually, there's an exact date listed, June 18th, 64. The Great Fire of Rome breaks out. And some people suspect that Nero actually lit the fire. I don't think that's true. I just don't think he was, like... Gonna stop it. Yeah, I think... I don't think... I think he was maybe, like, Kenzie's defending Nero. (laughs) No, I'm not a Nero apologist. I think he was maybe either incompetent or indifferent. So when the fire broke out, he was just kind of like, okay, whatever. I don't care. But after the fire broke out, it was really devastating. And the... Roman citizens were obviously very mad at Nero because they were like, what the heck? Like, this fire broke out and you did nothing and maybe you even started it. And Nero's like, okay, I need to look for somebody to blame. Who does Nero blame? Um, the, the Jewish people. Oh, no. <laughs> Which at that time, of course, Christians are still considered Jewish. Yes. So Nero burns down the homes of the <gasps> Jewish people. And it's likely that both Peter and Paul were martyred under Nero. So Paul, of course, being St. Paul the Apostle, who's attributed to writing most of the New Testament, and then Peter, who was basically one of Jesus's disciples, Jesus's right-hand man, they're... His boys. His boys. Well, it's it's kind of suspected that both of them are killed by Nero. Okay. This persecution under Nero doesn't really expand outside of the capital. This is just happening in the capital city, Rome. This goes on until Nero is expelled, until the year 68. And um, from the year 68 to the year 69, there's a revolving door of emperors. So basically, the Jewish people get some breathing room. People because, forgot. <laughs> yeah, like, um, at least in the capital city. Okay. Meanwhile, while all of this is going on, in Judea, in Jerusalem, 66 to the year 71, there is a Jewish rebellion going on. In Judea. So in Rome, we see persecution of Christians. In Judea, the Jewish people are trying to rebel because they're just being sick 
they're, they're sick, sick of being, of being oppressed yeah. by the Roman Empire. Guys, it was not fun. Yeah. To be <laughs> to live under well, the Roman Empire. Well, it's interesting in the Bible, which I feel like it's talked about a lot, but the, in the Bible, the Jewish people, everyone was constantly trying to kill them, I feel like. I feel like there was, like, there's always a story every couple of chapters where it's, like, another attempt to get rid of all the Jewish people. Like, it's crazy. In the Bible, there are times when they are taken over by a neighboring kingdom, and in the Bible it says that it's God punishing them because yeah. they're not following their customs, and then there's also times where they're able to fight back and get back to, you know, get away from the the kingdoms that are trying to take them over. And at, at this time, obviously, um, the Jewish people aren't really a kingdom. They have to answer to the Roman Empire. When you read the Bible and you hear, read the stories of, like, God's punishing us because... We broke his rules or whatever. We already talked about this in our Bible episode. Like, did everything in the Bible for sure exactly happen the way it said? You know, we've already kind of addressed our opinions on that. But when you look at it from a cultural standpoint, I mean, if you're a group of people and you, you're experiencing this devastation, it must feel like God is punishing you. Whether or not God actually was punishing them, I mean, it kind of, it's interesting to see how that translated, you know, mm-hmm. like. We're being, we must be being punished by God. Like, that's why this awful thing is happening to us, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. I mean, it, it is sad. So, it's yeah. just interesting. And in the ancient world, like, there's just constant fighting between yeah. the different cultures. I mean, they're all in such proximity to each other. There are some times when some people are on top, and there's some times when they are being oppressed. Yeah. And it's just... Like, that just period of history, these, you know, thousands of years is just really interesting to look at. So, in response to the Jewish rebellion in Judea, after the revolving door of emperors, when they finally get, like, a emperor that's going to say that's not going to be, you know, overthrown, the Roman Empire comes in and destroys the temple Mm. in the year 70, which I just cannot imagine how devastating that would be. Because this isn't just like any temple. This is the temple. It's like a huge part of their faith, you know? Yeah, a huge part of their And culture. Culture, like... Community. Yes. I just, I don't know what the comparison is, but I guess just, and call me out if I'm wrong, but I guess like imagine, you know, you're in a town and like, you have one church and it's like, that's the only church for miles. And I know it's not the same thing, but, um, just imagining that burning down, like that's your place of worship and it's like destroyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's gotta be like traumatic, but that's like times that yeah. by like a million yeah. because that is like the place that people go to. Yeah. And the temple had been destroyed once before. This is the second iteration of the temple um, and it's destroyed. So the temple had been around for a few hundred years, but there was still remnants, like artifacts, probably from that first temple that were also stolen or destroyed or taken. So it's not, this is like just a cultural and religious staple of Jewish society that is just for hundreds and thousands of years that it's just gone 
in a day. Wow. Um, so this further divides Christians and the Jewish people because those following Christ, obviously it did affect them, like obviously, but they were just kind of like, oh, well, like, we're like, like they had different beliefs yeah, now, yeah. so it probably didn't maybe affect them as well. Much. Yeah, so they're like, well, we're they're still trying to figure out if they're Jewish or if there's something else. And I think the temp the destruction of the temple was one of the deciding factors of, well, I don't think we are Jewish. I think we're something different. So during the reign of um, domination, he asked for the Jewish people to the sacri- the annual sacrifices that they would make to the temple he asked for them to be made to him which ah. is just a slap <laughs> in the face so not only have you destroyed these people's spiritual home but now you're further oppressing them and saying now give me money the money that you would give to the church money. give that to me like literally money, psychotic God. like and the 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 um persecution that goes on through this time it's said that this is the time period in which revelations was written Mm. um out of this being paranoid and and not even paranoid because it's true like 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 people are being persecuted and you kind of understand the tone of revelations more when you understand what's going on in that time period i was just going to add that so revelations is it's the final chapter of the Bible, right? And it talks about how it's the end of times, basically. And it's very different tonally. And lots of people have talked about this, but it's very different both tonally and content-wise to the rest of the Bible. And and I didn't even know this, Kenzie, but when you think about... If, if you want to go and read it, it's... I mean, the Bible's worth a read, but the revelations, if you want, want to know what I'm talking about, go take a look. You'll see what I mean. Lots of violent imagery, lots of paranoia and lots of imagery of justice and, um, you know, the enemies being defeated and justice, whatever that means. And when you understand this backdrop of when this was written, this time of turmoil and people wanting justice and wanting to be rescued from this and their enemies to be like taken out it makes a lot of sense at least for me mm-hmm. no having read revelations and not knowing this information it makes way more sense just someone who was writing that where their head was at at the time well a lot of people think that revelations is a political commentary when mm-hmm. you look at what's going on this destruction of the temple and then further persecu- persecution after the destruction of the temple It makes total sense why Revelations is the way that it is. After the Christians began to distinguish themselves from the Jewish people, maybe they thought that the Roman Empire would put less pressure on them, but the Roman Empire still persecuted the Christians. Yeah. They were still like, like I you're know that Jewish. you're trying, yeah. like I know that you guys are trying to distance yourself, but you guys are still weird. <laughs> um, so a lot of um, the Roman governors saw Christians as atheists oh. because they had no visible god. They talked oh. about this, you know, god that you couldn't see, and people were like, "What is that?" And some. 
of the Roman governors thought that Christians were cannibals. Oh. Because of the because of communion. Oh. And um, because they were like, you're eating the body and blood of this guy. Let me just say, nobody was eating anybody. I mean, maybe in other cultures that was happening, but not not in this one. Yeah, <laughs> like like one. the Christians weren't actually eating people. Also, a lot of Christians met at night, Ooh. which further was like, oh, these people are weird, and um. Little Christians, yeah, Christians <laughs> would do a kiss of peace, oh. basically like the passing of the peace, and Roman little making out in the evening. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. no, I'm sorry, I'm but sorry. the Roman government thought yeah. they were doing that and thought that they were doing some other stuff, if you know what I mean. Oh, so no. that was further like, oh, we have these to stop weirdos. these Christians. They're they're making they're eating people and, and making out at night. Well, and doing the do in the woods, you know. Oh, but no. they were not. Guys, they weren't. Um, Maybe some were. And but no. <laughs> as kidding. Christianity gained. Kidding. That was a joke. Sorry. <laughs> as Christianity gained traction, less and less people were starting to go to the pagan temples that were, you know, erected by the mm. Roman government. They were in their flop era. They were in their flop era because Gentiles and pagans were now interested in Christianity. They really liked the message, so they were kind of converting. And this is a really big problem for the Roman government because they're like, um, these temples that we're building, nobody's going to them and no one's giving us our money. There's this Roman governor named Pliny the Younger, and he's the governor of Blythnia, which is in modern day Turkey. Hmm. And he writes a letter to the emperor Trajan in 111. And he's like, hey... What are we going to do about what are we going to do about these gosh darn Christians? Like should we say that being a Christian is a crime? Like should we just start killing all of them? Like what are we doing? Like they're presenting this really big problem. And Trajan responds, "Do not seek them out, but if they are accused, punish them if they don't stop." And then Trajan said, "There can be no anonymous accusations. Basically that you can't just like hunt Christians down, but if someone accuses somebody of being Christian and then that person being accused doesn't stop being Christian, then you get the green light, the go ahead to persecute them. What do you think about that? Um, it kind of feels like a, I don't know, like a double-edged sword, because I feel like even if you are accused of being Christian, and at the time that was seen as very controversial, you know, these weirdos making out at night in the woods and eating people, allegedly, which isn't true, um, it's almost like even if you got accused of it, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of like a witch hunt. Like, people would still be suspicious of you, and it's, you'd be accused of it, but if I guess if you stopped, but how could you prove that stopping being christian well, you know you would, you would go to the pagan okay. temple and stuff so then i guess but then you know a very core tenet of christian faith is you know you don't want to deny that's a very big part of it you you want to believe no matter what and you know people take that to extremes like people have died you know trying to profess their faith and i don't know so i guess I guess this would be a huge problem. It's almost living in limbo because yeah. basically if you go on 
if you're a Christian and you've just practiced your faith, they're not going to stop you. But if you get accused by somebody and say, hey, that person's Christian, isn't that illegal? Well, now they're going to persecute you. In past persecutions, the emperors or governors have just said, let's kill the Christians. But now the policy has shifted in, okay, we're not going to persecute you unless somebody turns you in and says that you're a Christian. So I don't know. I I, I think you would be paranoid a lot. Yeah, you wouldn't trust your neighbor maybe. Or, you know, maybe some someone who has ill intention towards you could just accuse you of it. Like Mm -hmm. you'd have to have a lot of trust. I feel like within your Christian community because someone could betray you almost. Mm -hmm. And this policy of kind of don't ask, don't don't ask. Yeah. (laughs) Like I hate to say it, but that's pretty like that's the kind of thing that they're living under. It's mostly carried out in Rome. But there are other major cities that kind of follow this type of arrangement. And it lasts through the second century into the third and into the early fourth century, too. The very early fourth fourth century. So um, which do you think is worse, like outright persecution or like the living in limbo, don't ask, don't tell? That's hard, but... I almost feel like, hmm, I don't know. I feel like with Don't Ask, Don't Tell, you could just be living your life. Like, you could have a really good life and actually, like, have roots down and everything, and then all of a sudden that could all be taken away from you. Whereas persecution, if you're being persecuted, again, this is way easier said than done, but you could maybe just leave, you know, like, you know, in your mind, I can't have roots here. I can't settle down. I can't build a community here because I am actively being persecuted constantly. And so it's, I don't know. It's almost like, is it better to never have your guard down or like get to let your guard down for a little bit? And then it might be taken away from you at any moment. I don't know. That's a hard Mm -hmm. question. So throughout the Roman Empire, martyrdom is a really big thing. For those that don't know, being martyred means to be killed for your religion or your faith. And martyrs in the Christian tradition were really honored. And some people even wanted to be martyred because Mm. they're like, I'm willing to put (laughs) my life on the line for... Give me my, attention. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, but kidding, it's I'm like, kidding. like I'm yeah. willing to put my life on the line for my faith. People that were targeted, targeted for martyrdom were bishops, um, thinkers, widows that who would open their homes as meeting places for the church. And eventually, like, also just like normal people yeah. were also targeted for martyrdom. Under the emperor uh, Septimus Severus persecution got really bad in um the year 202 he was a follower of the unconquered sun religion okay and he wanted everyone to do that not christianity yeah well okay. not there were a ton of different religions in the yeah world. you have to think the roman empire yeah, is that's huge yeah. huge huge and they were overseeing so many different regions, which had so many different cultures and so many different religions, spoke so many different languages. And he's just like, you know what? I don't like that. I want everybody to be my religion. (laughs) And um, 
in Carthage, which is modern day Tunisia, that's where persecution was was really bad. There's um, a story about two women getting martyred named um, Perpetua and Felicity, who were martyred in Carthage in the year uh, 202. And there are accounts of their deaths, and they're really just sad, like, and tragic and, like, brutal and disturbing disturbing like i if you want to go check it out like you can find like accounts of their death but it's just really we don't want to get yeah it's just like vile and so the reason why perpetua and felicity's deaths were so um devastating Mm -hmm. to the city of carthage is because at that time a lot of people that were getting killed for being christians they were kind of undesirables they were kind of you know like bishops or they were seen as religious fanatics perpetua was a noble woman her father was very high up um she was very wealthy and she had actually just given birth to a child wow this really reminds me of the salem witch trials because i can't remember who it was but there's terrible my high school did the crucible i should know this but there's someone who was killed and it was a big deal because she had a child or she was pregnant, I think, at the time. I think she had the baby in jail or something crazy. Gosh, it's going to drive me insane that I can't remember this name. But it people Goody Proctor, maybe I think so. I think so. But it was a big deal because she was seen as like a really there was someone else who was a um, like a nurse. Like she helped um, with childbirth. I can't remember what that's called. Um, midwife. A midwife. Thank you. And like there were people. That's what really people were like. Ooh, like I don't know if we should be doing this because before they were just kind of killing off the people in the town they didn't really like. But then when it kind of got to like, oh, these are like pillars of our community that we're killing. But then it still didn't like they still killed them. It still didn't really matter. But mm-hmm. it just it's kind of interesting that that's what really affected people back then. But they still killed them. You know. And there were people that were begging Perpetua to renounce her faith so that she would live because she was beloved and this, you know, beautiful, young, noble woman. And they were like, please, please. And she said, no, I'm still going to be Christian and I'll die for Christ. And her and Felicity were killed. Carthage is in modern day Tunisia. And I think that the church, the ancient church in Africa is not really talked about enough like the amount of philosophers and thinkers and martyrs and leaders that came out of africa all this stuff that's happening with the early church like this is not just happening in rome this is happening in asia in western europe in eastern europe in africa history is not just like a linear line like there's a bunch of things happening all over and i feel like we have to remember that the church in Africa contributed so much to the understandings that we have today of Christianity. Augustine came out of Africa, who is, Augustine is somebody that is a philosopher and theologian that completely revitalized the way that we think about Christ and it always was weird to me when people are like, I'm going on a mission trip to Africa. I was just Africa. about to say that. Because I'm like, girl, they know who he yeah, is. Yeah, they know who <laughs> Jesus is. Like, I agree. And not that, again, I 
you know, we haven't really talked much about mission trips, I feel like, but um, we'll get into that maybe on a later episode. Um, and there's, there is value in a mission trip. There can be value in a mission trip, but I do get a weird feeling in my stomach when, you know, people act like they're going to go overseas and, you know, basically be the savior to these people and show them about Jesus. And if it weren't for them, if it weren't for them, they would never know Jesus and they would suffer forever. And it's like, okay, like, are you building up your own importance here? Like, that's kind of what it sounds like you're doing to me. And again, again, I know that mission trips can have, you know, good outcomes, but I was just about, like, as you were describing that, it's so funny, you know, we hear this stereotype of, like, the girl is going to go on a mission trip to Africa and um, post a bunch of pictures and act like she really did something, when in reality, it's like, they probably already know, like, they definitely already know who Jesus is, they probably already have heard of Christianity, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely kind of odd that it's been so erased from common knowledge how important Africa and the people of Africa and I know there's different countries and everything but you know all those churches and all those people like how important they were to the church and to Christianity in general I feel like that's kind of been erased from Mm -hmm. like our common our common knowledge of history and also the role that women played in the early church too women that had a lot of money would open up their home for churches to meet and here we see perpetua and felicity they were women and i had never even heard of these women i've never heard of them before now before right now (laughs) (laughs) before i i took the my christian history class perpetua's writings are so interesting and insightful and I feel like they should be known more but because they are a women and be from Carthage I think that they're people forget about them yeah flash forward about 50 years later in Carthage there's an emperor named Decian and he starts persecuting the people in Carthage And on the other side, on, like, the Christian side of things, (laughs) there's this um, bishop named Cyprian. And basically, the emperor says, hey, I want everybody to acquire a certificate of sacrifice to prove that they are loyal to me, the emperor. And it's just a big mess, and (laughs) Christians have to decide what they're going to do. Some obeyed and sacrificed, but they were like, but it didn't mean anything. Like, I was just doing it to appease the emperor so I wouldn't get persecuted. Some bought fake certificates <laughs> and said they sacrificed, but they really didn't because they didn't want to make a sacrifice to the emperor. And some resisted and chose not to renounce Christ, but then were tortured and renounced Christ under torture. And then some stood firm and even under torture did not renounce Christ. Wow. Would not be me. (laughs) (laughs) And I would fold immediately. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Is it? (laughs) I'm kidding. So after this persecution happens, there's, you know, these four different reactions that people had. And now they have to go to church together with one another. And I'm sure there's tension and resentment because there's four different, and and yeah. So 
this is leading to a lot of tension. So the Church of Carthage has to decide, do we punish these people that renounce Christ? Do we punish the people that fake certificates? Do we punish the people that actually sacrifice? Are they all equally guilty or are there different levels of guilt? Can they be reconciled back into the body of Christ? And if so, by whom and how? What if you were somebody that didn't confess to like didn't um which I would not Christ. be <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, imagine that yeah. you are somebody that didn't renounce Christ okay. and that got tortured and you sat in a pew next to somebody who made the sacrifice. <laughs> I mean, I'd be pretty pressed. I mean, this is very similar to the Taylor Swift ticket situation, you know? <laughs> like um some people are looking at me and Kenzie like, "Oh, you guys got the tickets." And I didn't, but we're both, like, who's really a Taylor Swift fan? I'm kidding. But (laughs) in reality, in all seriousness, I completely agree. There would be immense tension. I probably would be like, that's a fake Christian. And, you know, maybe that's why there is this idea, even still, we see it in society today. I mean, uh, like, the idea of if you renounce, like, if there's a gun to your head and you... Someone asks you if you're a Christian, if you say no to save your life, you're somehow like I thought a that bad would literally person. happen to me. No same. I was, I like, was oh so gosh. stressed about that happening. And my dad might again, love my dad. He was a little bit dramatic. But he would ask me, he's like, Adriana, what if you're at school and someone like threatens to shoot you or stab you if you, but you have to answer like are you a christian what would you say and i was like i'd say uh yes dad like <laughs> yes but that's the thing is that there's this idea of you're somehow a better christian if you say yes i am a christian and take the risk or if you're somehow a worse christian if you say no to save your life and here's my opinion i don't think god cares either way i think god loves you if you said yes cuz guess what who denied jesus what was his name help me kenzie peter 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 denied jesus how many times it was like 3 yeah thank you okay peter denied jesus 3 times and guess what jesus did not love him any less and he was one of the main guys so all that to say is i understand there's anger i'm I'm acting like the people who were persecuted are listening to this podcast (laughs) i understand that there's anger or if you are looking at your neighbor and you're thinking they don't work as hard as i do in the church like i or at my or your job or whatever like if you work in ministry or something and you're like they don't work as hard as i do Again, these are dramatic comparisons. You know, these people are literally being tortured. You're maybe just not getting recognized as much in your church. But at the end of the day, like, I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but there's no gold stickers from God. Like, So you're on pro-forgiveness of everybody. Pro-forgiveness of everybody. So forgiving of the people that confessed under torture, forgiving the people that made counterfeit certificates, and even forgiving of people that made sacrifices absolutely because jesus would and jesus forgave peter and loved peter so absolutely i i, I mean I, it's easy for me to say because i so wasn't you think there. that so you think that they're all three 
deserving of forgiveness. Yes, because I think we're human, and God knows that, and that's why he sent Jesus. He knows we make mistakes, and we act, we do things because we're scared. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it right, doesn't mean we shouldn't try and do better, but... So, you are a big proponent of grace. I am. <laughs> uh, so, the bishop basically decides that no matter if you confessed under torture or if you made a counterfeit ticket or whatever yeah they're like he's like you know what they're all equal there's no like greater sin and they can return into the body of christ after a period of prohibition and penance and basically he's like the congregation is gonna have to work together And he says, only God can forgive mortal sin. Um, And the lapse controversy established that there is no sin that, you know, God can't forgive. And this kind of helps establish the concept of grace, of like, we should have grace just as God has given us grace. We should give these people grace. Which can I say, I think that, and I'm saying this from maybe an easy place but i think that is a hard pill for a lot of christians to swallow god forgives everybody and like they i feel like people it's it's easy for them to be like yeah i know that i know that and it's like yeah but god also forgive and this is hard pill for me to swallow because there's people like in my life there's things that happen to me and i'm like i don't want to forgive that person i want something bad to happen to that person you know like or i've read stories where horrible things happen to children and i just i'm like i want something awful to happen to that person who did that but that doesn't make like that doesn't take my anger away like the only thing i mean i'm still learning how to do that i'm still learning how to have grace and forgiveness because i don't i'm I get angry. Like, I want justice. I'm very much one of those people. I understand it. But I think it's a hard pill for people to swallow, including myself, that I don't think that's God. That's what God wants. God wants us to forgive because that's the only way we're going to find peace as well. Mm. I don't know. That's hard. I mean, it's crazy that those people were still dealing with stuff that we're also dealing with yeah. even today. So after the controversy of the lapse in the third and the beginning of the fourth century, obviously persecution is still going on, but it's kind of not as rampant. Rome has other things that they're dealing with. So the Christians, because they're not being persecuted, they have some time to think about what they believe theologically. They're communicating by letters. They have some small councils to discuss what is it that we believe as Christians. And heretics began popping up. And I really want to do an episode just on, like, the different heresies that were popping up in that time. Because there's so many that are popping up. And are those different groups? Heresies is basically a theological stance that is going against the teachings of the religion pretty much okay okay. so just how like when we think about in the very very early days of christians 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 were viewed as heretical jews so yeah okay okay i'm following they have some time to think about what they believe and then finally in the year 306 constantine the great um is becomes emperor 
and he just changes the world for Christians, pretty Whoa, much. Oh, he's the big like, dog. He <laughs> is the dude. He is the guy. Bah, 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 bah. Um, something interesting Sorry. about, con- <laughs> about <laughs> Constantine is his conversion kind of happened over time. And he, during his lifetime, he held beliefs of both the unconquered son and Christianity. Hmm. He gained even more notoriety and power when he defeated Maxentius in a battle in Rome. According to a 4th century Christian historian, the night before the battle, Constantine had a dream in which Christ appeared to him. Whoa. And after this experience, Constantine ordered his soldiers to put the Christ symbol on their shield. That must have been so crazy. I wish stuff like that still happened. <laughs> well, I mean, he knew he knew about yeah. like he knew about about Christ. Like, yeah, his like, mother was a, I'm pretty sure, a fall, a Christian. But that must have been, like, such a big deal. Like, that dream must have been a really crazy dream for him to the next day be like, guys, we gotta get, we gotta get this on everywhere. We, we, <laughs> we gotta tell everyone about this. Eventually, after this defeat, Constantine becomes the emperor of Rome, and he had his sons baptized, and Constantine's family's support of Christianity ensured that many other political um, leaders in the Roman Empire took interest in Christianity too. And during his rule, Christianity became a religion of persecution um, into a religion that kind of dominated the culture. In just a very short amount of time, it gained a lot of traction. And people, for the first time since the 60s as in as in the first 60s as in first as in as in zero six zero as in those (laughs) 60s christians could practice openly so it was the tides definitely shifted wow and during constantine's rule in the year 325 the council of nicaea met and i would argue that is when christians fully became christians was the council of nicaea and we talked about that a little bit yeah. in our episode about the Bible. Yeah. And that's when they kind of decided what was going to be in the Bible, kind of putting everything together, correct? Yeah. They were basically deciding, like, what is, what are we as yeah. Christians? Wow. Um, and maybe we'll do an episode just on the Council of Nicaea. It, I mean, this was really interesting, so I'd be interested in that. So what? It took, what, 300 years to get a religion together? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So what do you think? Any closing thoughts? After learning about all of this, and a lot of this was very new for me, my understanding of like early Christianity, there's some children's shows that I remember watching in church. I can't remember what they're called, but one of them I remember in particular was about during a time when Christians were persecuted. Like It's like these little children characters. In was the, it a cartoon? Yes, it was a cartoon. You've probably seen it. Yeah. I wish I could remember the Wasn't name there, of it. Wasn't there... I just remember they There's made, a baker. like... They, yes, yes, they made a key with yes. bread. Yes, And... Uh, if someone knows what we're talking please. about, tell us the name of this cartoon. Title, but I remember they would have meetings at night, and they would... I don't know if this actually happened, but they would have a little fish symbol outside to represent, like, okay, come in here. And so when you were telling me that, that show was, like, flooding back. I was like, wait, I've heard this before. So it's interesting to think about how the tides just 
shifted. Like I said, I didn't know everything, but I knew Christians were persecuted. And I'd also heard the narrative that like, we weren't necessarily as persecuted as some parts of Christians, modern Christians would like you to believe, but it seems like things were pretty bad. Like, and for some people, I would say it, de- it depended on where you were. Yes. There were some cities where you were just fine being a Christian, mm-hmm. but as we, you know, learned about today, there were some cities that and it also depended on who was the governor at the yeah. time, who was the emperor at the yeah. time. There like were it, a lot of different factors. Like, it wasn't just nonstop persecution until Constantine, which I think is what the narrative that I'd kind of been taught, like, inadvertently growing up. Not necessarily by my parents or even by my church, but just, like, the media and the culture I was around. Like, it was basically nonstop persecution until one emperor changed his yeah. mind. When in, I mean, what we've seen, it really wasn't that way. It was lots of politics were involved and like who was being accused and I don't know I would say that I feel like it's important it almost makes me like wish more people knew about this so then we could almost learn from our mistakes you know like we, we have infighting in um certain denominations of religions happening right now like in I'm not you know Call like, them out. No. Methodist. <laughs> the United Methodist Yeah, the United Methodist Church is having... When I said infighting, I don't mean like literally brawling in the streets. That's what I was trying to say. But, you know, there's people in the Methodist Church who want to branch off. And I'm sure this is probably true for other denominations, you know. But it almost makes me kind of be like, guys, like, reflect. <laughs> reflect. See where we've come from. I don't know. I just think it's important that we know this so we don't repeat our mistakes. I think it's important that we know this because I just think it's important to know where you come from. Like your cultural background, your religious background, um, any of your background. I think it's important for you to understand the history of your identity. And there are some churches that are like, well, we just teach what's in the Bible. But I'm like, okay, like, I think you should teach what's in the Bible. But I also think that there are so many things outside of the Bible that people should also learn and know about that make up your identity and your history as a Christian. I mean, I definitely feel, I don't know what the right word is, but I feel like the story seems much bigger to me now. Like, if you think about just, wow, like all that was happening and all those events have led up to right now and we're still talking about it. Kind of reminds me of Troy and like the Iliad, I think that's what it's called. And something that I always like kind of makes me pause is, you know, the whole point of Achilles is, okay, Achilles, you can stay here and have a family, but you will be forgotten. But if you go to this battle, you will, no one will ever forget you. You know, you will die a hero and everyone will remember you. We still talk about that story. You know, the prophecy came true. And so when you think about this story, which it actually happened, this history, this historical account, it's like, wow. And you know, not to get sentimental or earnest, but it really is amazing that all of that happened and we're still talking about it and we're still talking about Jesus and God and arguing amongst ourselves about it. I just think that's really cool. Yeah. And even from like a not, like you were saying, like from a non-religious education perspective, just in a like historical education perspective, like history, I think is just so important to learn about. And learning about how we got to now. And this time period not only impacts 
Christians, but it impacts the world because the Roman Empire was like the at the time the biggest force in the world and and like I said I'm a history nerd like in another life I think I would be like a history teacher or professor or something just learning about where we come from and what happened in the past is just important I agree and I I also enjoy history so thank you so much Kenzie for telling telling me that story and during my commentary um i know i loved your commentary i'm glad even my special effects yes that, that, that was my favorite part <laughs> well thank you so much for organizing all of that um we hope to do more historical episodes for you guys as well but yeah. also if you want us to talk about anything just let us know what you want us to talk about yeah and we'll you know offer our own perspective on it because i know you guys are dying to hear our perspective on it oh speaking of future episodes we haven't forgotten about god of life yes if you guys are reading god of life or if you guys are thinking about it you still have time to get it because we are probably going to do that around episode eight Mm -hmm. so you will have time if you haven't started reading god of life you can have time to read it guys i just started reading it um a little bit ago i'm still working through it but it is i mean i really enjoy it so far i mean there's like i use my little kindle app on my phone to read but i there's been things I've been highlighting. I don't know. It's just really worth a read. Again, I know sometimes more academic reading can be kind of dense. Don't be scared of it. Even if you don't finish it, it's worth checking out. That way, when we talk about it, you can have a little bit of an idea of what we're referring to. Exactly. Exactly. Well. <laughs> well let's leave. I'm kidding. Um, it's time for joys and concerns. My joy is that I am going home to Tulsa and I'll get to see my good friend Portia and I'll see my grandparents and I'll see, I think my cousin's coming to town and my sister and I'm coming to town. Well, yes, Adriana will also be there, but I also hang out with her all the time. My sister's coming down. Her boyfriend's coming down. I think his parents are coming down too. So just a whole bunch of people are coming down and it's going to be really fun. And I'll be in Tulsa and I'll just be able to get away for a little bit. I don't have school that week, so I can like catch up on some stuff and also like relax. Nice. Do you have any concerns? My concern is I'm getting there on Monday and everybody else isn't coming to yeah, like the rest Wednesday of us have or jobs, Thursday Kenzie, and can't get off work. So <laughs> literally I'm going to be so bored. <laughs> and and also they we have a group of people that are going out Saturday, yeah. but I have church on but Sunday. But you're welcome to the Friendsgiving. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> So if we'll anyone's in Tulsa and want to do something out. Friday, let me yeah, know. Yeah, hit us. <laughs> We're totally kidding. No, I'm totally oh, serious. I'm not even kidding. If you are if, uh, doing something on Friday in Tulsa, let me DM and Adriana us. know. <laughs> yes. Um. All right. Well, my I'll start with my concern. My concern is that it's there's we have two days of work before. Um, my office is closed for the holidays, but we'll see if patients show up. I know. I I get it. It's the holidays. It's busy. I'm hoping that they are focused, but I also understand if not, just my concern is it's just a crazy time. It's right before the holidays. It's only going to get even crazier. 
Um, so my concerns around that, um, and my joy is that I'm also have lots of family coming in for Thanksgiving family. I haven't seen in a while. I'm very excited for that. Um, it's also been snowing off and on here, here in little Oklahoma. And so it's been pretty exciting. Not that we usually do get snow, but the snow's actually been kind of pretty, not just scary, life-threatening ice and snow like we normally get. So that's been really fun. Um, and I guess my other joy is that while it is a crazy time at my work, uh, my patients always do bring me a lot of joy. Um, and I like to always pray for them. Um, so that they're definitely another one of my joys. I'm grateful for the work I get to do. So, all right. Should we finish in prayer? I think we should. Do you want me to step up to the plate? If you want okay. to, if, if you're comfortable with that. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> okay, here we go. Dear God, thank you so much for this time we have together. Thank you for hearing our concerns and lifting up our joys. Um, thank you for always watching over us, even when we feel alone or stressed out. Um, you always do manage to remind us of your presence. Um, thank you for guiding us through our lives and creating this podcast. Um, I definitely know it would not have been possible without you and, um, and also Kenzie, <laughs> but I know you definitely had a hand in creating what we have here and I'm very, very grateful for it. So thank you once again. Please watch over us as we travel, um, go about our week. Um, watch over our families as they travel. Watch over our listeners and their families. Um, if they're going home to maybe an environment or people that, you know, don't bring them a lot of joy, um, please watch over them and protect them. Surround them with your love and help us have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Amen. Go in peace.